Jared Wheatley and welcome to episode 132 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much as always for uh, choosing uh, to listen today on YouTube or the podcast platforms and all that stuff. Thank you very much for your support as well during the week for last week's episode who was with uh, with Ella. I'm not... In, it kind of res- in respect to Ella, I'm not going to try and say her surname again because uh, last week I thought about it for about five days constantly of how I could break down the uh, Ella's Polish, by the way, just in case anybody wasn't listening. But I'd never seen this board, this this collection of letters before, um, and uh, Ella saved me. I overthought it and then as soon as I hit record I just forgot it all anyway so thank you very much Ella but it was a fascinating conversation if you want to go back and have a look or have a listen um, uh, Ella's an anthropologist she talked about uh, you know different cultures um, how different countries look at uh, humanitarian aid and kind of I suppose uh, conspiracy theory has been in the news a lot uh, she went over conspiracy theory she has to write like actual critical pieces on them so she has to be between one thing and the other. She can't kind of side, even if it's flat earth or something like that. She has to be, you know, think of it in a way that why some people might think the earth is flat. And so it was really interesting. But anyway, I'm waffling on. I want to introduce this week's guest. She, she is a chef and a nutritionist, and her name is Ria Egan. How are you doing, Ria? I'm very good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, Egan is so much easier than the last surname I had to uh, <laughs> pronounce, but uh, we won't go into that too much. Um, you, have you been on your holidays recently? No, I'm just, I'm down actually visiting uh, family in Sligo this week. Um, oh, nice. So that's where I am. Yeah, I'm originally from there and I live in Letterkenny and Donegal now, so I don't really get to see them, I guess, with work and stuff. And over the last few years, with it being COVID, it's just hard for yeah. everything so yeah that's where I am at the minute so down Strandville yeah I saw some of your pictures looks absolutely gorgeous there that leads us perfectly into our our first question of uh, could you could you give us a short history of your upbringing please yeah so I guess my upbringing was kind of a weird one um my parents were very young when they had me my mum was 17 so I spent the first like five years of my life living with my grandparents and my mom and all her siblings um in the one house so she had like six brothers and sisters and then there was me and then my little brother came along um he's a couple of years younger than me but I also have an uncle an uncle who's like two years younger than me so it's kind of a, a a strange he's more like my brother I guess yeah kind of a strange one and then we moved out when my brother was about three um my mum was a single parent for a while and my dad was kind of always in and out of the picture I guess um it's kind of like exposed to a little bit of like alcohol and drugs in the household when my dad was there so I think that kind of um sprung like mental health into that's kind of where it kind of gauged from for me um but yeah, that's, that's basically it. I moved. I moved out home, back in with my granny when I was sitting my leaving cert. So I moved back in with my granny then, and then I left Sligo when I was eighteen to go to college in Donegal, and I haven't really come back ever since. Well, your your accent <laughs> is actually sound like I'm from Donegal. I was just gonna say it's yeah. not like it's it's a Donegal accent, but not a, you know, like obviously just differences in accents in different counties as well, you know, but the Donegal accent can be really like really thick accent, but yours is kind of a softer sounding Donegal. It doesn't yeah. sound like a Sligo accent. Not that I could, Sligo is one of those counties and it's the same as Leitrim uh, that I wouldn't be able to like do an impression of a Sligo accent. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's like, the, there's like a tiny accent, but that'd be very strong, but I, yeah. I never really had that anyway. So I guess I'm quite lucky in that sense. Cause it's, <laughs> no, it's good. The nicest one. Yeah, no, but, it's um, good. The accent you have now is really nice. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's a nice like, lilt. It's kind of, it's kind of the accent an American would love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. the Americans, the Americans love the, they, they love the accents as long as they can understand them, I think. And yeah, they, exactly. You know, Donegal can be very hard. Like, oh, none yeah. of my, hardly any of my family can understand my partner. Like, really? my, my granny can't understand him at all whatsoever. So he's <laughs> so strong. And then, yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Um, so go, kind of go back then, because we always ask, like, when did you first become aware of mental health? And that's something that you've kind of mentioned already. And, um, that kind of thing must be very difficult uh, for, because obviously you were quite young at the time. 
yeah I guess at the time I didn't really know what it was back then um but looking back on my childhood it was always there yeah um but like going back just to referring to like my parents and the way we were brought up a little bit like the drugs and alcohol kind of surfaced for a couple of years when I was younger um maybe from when I was like nine I think and there was a little bit of domestic violence between my parents so that's what kind of introduced my anxiety Mm. um and so nearly really you're on your fight or flight mode um and I was I was nearly always like that when I was at home with my parents um for for those few years like so looking back on it I was just so anxious that little things that children shouldn't really be anxious Mm -hmm. for but we didn't really know what it was back then I kind of carried that into my my teenage years um and it was only really when I I came to college that I became more aware of it what it was and like even still now as an adult I get very stressed around exams Mm. um like I'm in an I'm in still in college actually I'm studying masters and I went back to finish my culinary this year as well um and exams are something that really brings it up like my leaving cert was a very stressful time for me and that would have been the first time that I ever had a panic attack but when I went to the doctors at the time they kind of just you know they just fobbed it off it wasn't it wasn't diagnosed until I literally hit my lowest point after college um but looking back like it was like it was quite bad and during my college years but yeah I think that's definitely where it stemmed from anyways I think uh like you know I'm realizing more and more as I as I do the podcast the amount of people who seem to have anxiety when they were young and obviously we don't like we don't know what it is we we can't we have no um reference points for what it might be that we have and you know we could say you know, people could say, uh, um, oh, you were nervous about something and nerves is a different thing than anxiety. Like a nerves, nerves is something that passes as as the event that you're thinking about, like, you know, goals. You get through an event and you, the nerves go. But with anxiety, it's constantly there. And it just amazes me the amount of people who seem to seem to have had it when they were quite young um, for, num- for a number of, of different uh, reasons, you know. Um, but it, it just it's it's quite scary. It's quite worrying to think that it might still be going on and maybe you know, even though younger people might be hearing more and more about mental health, they still might not be able to, um, in their own minds, figure out what it is. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to be vocal about it, because mm-hmm. even up till a few years ago, like, I I was so, like, into myself and afraid to express the feelings that I had, anxiety or depression, um, but now the more and more people talk about it, I think it's easier for like young adults and, and teenagers to come out um, and get help for it. And and just that it's normal. Like, I, and I always say, like, you know, be the person that your younger self needed because there was no one ever to speak to me about that. And as I said, like, even I remember having a really bad I'm going off a tangent here, but I remember having a really bad panic attack in college and um. I was in third year at this time and I I took a week off and I went to the doctors like and he he basically told me it was nothing that was just stress and no one should get that stress that they have like proper panic attacks that you can't breathe from there's something else there and it was anxiety but even till then you know they weren't they weren't vocal about it they weren't doing anything for young people to prevent it or they're not even up to date in like coping mechanisms and I think doctors need to be because it's just like hurt it's just hurting yourself it's just like your physical health it's just as important if not more so it's good that we have these kind of things like podcasts and people speaking out so that people are more aware and they can get the help that they need absolutely and you know doctors need to be a bit more understanding a time to think but uh let's not go down that route because i'd love to no. go down that route <laughs> we no. can talk about that all day yeah like a couple of episodes 
I did go down that route and I really enjoyed it and it kind of needed to be said as well, but but we won't do it today because I think that anyway. Um, <laughs> do you remember actually, I, like how did the, the interest in cooking, uh, where did that come from? Oh, um, I always wanted to do something with food. Um, my mum will kill me if she listens to this, but growing up, like mum was the worst cook in the world. Okay. Uh, honestly, she would boil, she would burn boiled eggs or hot water in a pot. I'm not yeah. even joking. So as I got kind of into like my teenage years when I still lived at home, I would have done some of the cooking. But and I, and I said I wanted to be a chef and I remember doing my CAO form with my mum and she was like there's no way of being a chef on social hours blah 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 and so I put food science and nutrition as my top choice on my CAO and I was like you know it's still kind of food mm. based around food um and yeah I went and I done that and I did my four years and I was working as a nutritionist at the time and I just seen the culinary skills course come up because when you're I, I worked as kind of like a freelance nutritionist that was in a gym and the hours weren't really set you could kind of make your hours around your appointments so I was kind of like I'm the kind of person that needs to be busy all the time like I like to keep my mind occupied don't like to be sitting still so yeah I went off and done that then um part-time and then it was really just in lockdown where I just started baking more and got really into cakes um I was working as a chef in a nursing nursing home at the time and there's nothing really else to do in lockdown I got really into the baking and yeah I just kind of took it over so it's really like since then probably the last three years that I've really started enjoying it it's it seems to be from from someone who obviously I have to cook for myself, but you know it's not it's not something that I would kind of do out of enjoyment. You know, it's just to do it out of needing to eat um, in general. But uh, you know, from from what I hear, uh, you know, it's quite a if you do enjoy it, it's quite a mindful thing to do as well. It's quite a it's quite a thing that you yeah. can relax. And and that that to me that strikes me as completely opposite to how I feel about it because. I'll just give you an example of why it freaks me out a little bit. So if I was like cooking like um, like a Sunday dinner, right? We'll use it for, for example, a Sunday dinner. So there's like five different components, we'll say. The timing. I can't figure out the timing. It, and, and you know what? Like because I have OCD and, and I do worry about timings and stuff like that, the idea of it just absolutely freaks me out. And it, it, fills, it fills me with anxiety, the whole idea of it cooking for someone. So can you relax when you're doing it? Is it something that you can do mindfully? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but you can, but right. you, you have to, you have to like it at the same time. Yeah. And I understand where you're coming from. Like timekeeping is, is a big thing with chefs because like you can't just cook one thing at a time. You have to be constantly doing stuff. Um, and for me, it's timers. Like, uh, like I, if I put something in the oven and work, like I have to put a timer on my phone yeah. because I could go off and be doing something completely different and forget about it. Um, but once you enjoy it, I, like, I think it's mindful for me, like particularly bacon. I wouldn't be, I, I don't enjoy savory cooking as, as much as I do pastry. Okay. Um, and I used to be a breakfast chef and I did not really enjoy it. Like it was just like, no and as I said it was I was a chef in, a, in nursing homes as well in a cafe and I didn't really enjoy the savory as much it was more as you said just to like just of of survival like yeah. just feed but the pastry for me definitely is mindful like if I'm anxious or whatever I would just go out to my kitchen and start baking and even just like painting my little cupcakes and stuff like that can be really mindful and relaxing for me. But as you said, other people can hate it, but it's just preference, isn't it? Just like someone else would love drawing, like drawing just stresses me out. Yeah. And I agree with you on drawing too. And uh, <laughs> but, but you put up a picture the other day, I think it was a, um, a raspberry and lemon uh, eclair, was it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Like, I'm not one of these people that looks at, like, you know, I really have a sweet tooth, right? So that that's one thing. But I'm not someone who kind of goes through, you know, Facebook, Instagram, looking at food, pictures of food, you know, because I just think it just makes you hungry. So I don't, I don't see the point. 
But when I look, when I saw, because because the thing about it was right, because first of all, raspberry and lemon are just beautiful flavors, meringue, mm-hmm. whatever. But it was so delicately decorated. You know what I mean? And oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really, and this won't mean any anything to anyone who hasn't seen the picture. But <clears> I I was just like I I saw people about an hour before I went to bed, and I was like, God, I would I would kill a man to have that. <laughs> I would kill a man, you know, because again, it's it's to do with the with the um, the sweet tooth as well. But I just want to ask you a little bit about like um, the nutritionist side of things. It's 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 an interesting world, I suppose, nutrition nutrition because of the you hear all these different. Like I was doing a CrossFit course recently to just complete my level one on CrossFit. So you hear that there was part of it was nutrition, and you hear about like the different mm-hmm. types of diets, you know, the paleo and you know the yeah. intermittent fasting. And it's such a different. I I would imagine for for a nutritionist nutritionist, it's a very difficult um kind of path to go down to choose. You know what would you recommend the paleo diet? Would you recommend the intermittent fasting, or do you go down a more like? We were told about the forty percent, thirty percent, thirty percent of the of the mixture of proteins and fats and, and carbs. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite a complicated world, and maybe it freaks a, a few people out. You know, I think there's just it's online, and I'd say also just call it the food world and nutrition world. It's saturated with information. It can be so hard to tell what's what's right. For me, um paleo and intermittent fasting and stuff like that especially as a parent um they don't fit in with my lifestyle yeah. and I don't think they're long long-term sustainable for well my lifestyle anyway but I just think in general like going through the years um like there was a point in life where you know I was single I had no kids and I worked in a gym and it was actually across the gym um and was a nutritionist there and that was my life yeah so my diet would have been completely different back then like I was super muscly didn't like looking back and I wouldn't think I looked nice at all but at the time I was like oh I look great but I had no life around the gym like I had no like I wouldn't even if my if I was here at home at family and they were getting a takeaway. It was like, no, I would never touch an ice cream. Like I was drinking peppermint teas and wouldn't touch like a bit of milk in my tea. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. It's okay if you're single and, or if you're a bodybuilder, or if you're whatever, but long term, it's not ideal. The rule that I really follow now is the 80-20 rule, which is like 80% getting your diet from whole foods like eating your vegetables eating enough protein just really like a balance and then that 20 percent leeway just and enjoying life like going for an ice cream on a sunday like you know maybe eating a pizza on a friday night with your family like that's what we do every friday night make homemade pizzas at home with the kids um so yeah I guess I guess it just depends but that is the one that I probably promote the most as a nutritionist is 80-20 rule and just lifestyle balance really. I, th- I think like the 80-20 would make um, people feel a lot more comfortable about it because um, like you said you know we're, we're all striving for different things whether we're in our lives but also in the way we want to look you know and that that whole thing of um, and I you know I know people I've had someone on who's bodybuilding and all, all this type of uh, different types of diet, diets and stuff. But for me, someone who's like uh, 40 years of age, uh, I'm single, but I, I'm I'm happy to like, uh, I enjoy a sweet, you know, now and again. Yeah. And, but you're right. Like it's about, it's not just, you can have the sweet thing, but I think what when people fall into the 80%, they kind of tend to kind of fall towards like less, you know, vegetables and more just kind of maybe, you know, starchy and things like that. But that 80-20 makes a lot of sense. Like I, I was doing the 40-30-30 and I, I found it brilliant. I did it for six weeks and lost six kilograms and it was really good. But again, there was going to come to the end at six weeks. So yeah. you kind of know that there's like a little light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> when you do, you can go back to having a, like a bit of cheesecake. I can't pass the cheesecake on it. In a, in a, <laughs> I, uh, love, I love oh, a good cheesecake. I but again, like, again, what what is the point in that? Because... Mm if you're constantly going back like what like do you know I I think we need to find something that's long-term sustainable like honestly 
like I'm a nutritionist and obviously I'm a chef and it's it's very hard. I'm a pastry chef, which is extremely hard. Yeah. Like there's no getting away from from sweets for me. Like yeah. there's just no getting away from it. Plus I'm constantly like inventing recipes and stuff and I have my baking business on the site. I have to constantly be tasting things yeah. to see if they're okay. I mean, everything you cook, you have to taste because if it goes out wrong, that's that's on your back. So there's not a day that goes by that I don't have something sweet. And even if I'm not in work, I will sit at home in the evening time and, and have a square chocolate. I'll have yeah. dark chocolate like. Um, and some people are like, you know, oh my God, you're, you're like, you're training nutrition. You have chocolate every day. I do, because otherwise I will sit down at the weekend and I'll eat four bags of buttons yeah. if I don't do that. So that, it has to be balanced, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. And like, God, that's what this, they're there for. You know, you have to enjoy something. Like, There has to be something to life that you enjoy. Yeah. I, I don't like smoke weed or drink. So this is my thing is to have some cheesecake. And I'm going to continue. Doing well, you it. have it. You uh, thank it. you very much. Uh, permission. <laughs> permission granted. Listen, Ria, have a break for a second. I'm just going to read out a quick advert and we'll get back to it. I'm going to get this right today. I swear I'm going to get it right. Okay. Fusion Training Centre, Monksland, Athlone. A place to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, find us on Facebook at Fusion Training Centre or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Centre, train like a warrior. I did get it right. Sorry, that'll do. Um, makes a nice change. But listen, we, 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 um, I wanted to ask you about this because our perception of chefs is is very, you know... It's it's all come through TV. I think, you know, when you see like Mark Pierre White, Gordon Ramsay, all these people shouting and, you know, everybody getting stressed out. And, uh, you know, the, the, the I like I wonder if, you know, cycles like that carry through, you know, because the people coming through the, from a chef who's shouting and roaring at them, then they come in to be a head chef and they think that that's the behavior that should carry on. Um, is this all, you know, just drama for us at home? Have you seen any of this in real life? Oh, I've definitely seen it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as bad as it used oh, to yeah. be. Um, and I think, especially probably since COVID, I think a lot of people have looked at chef and, and I mean, it's so hard to get chefs now. Um, it really is. And I think they've kind of took a step back and, you know, if someone, they're not really taking as much shit, oh, excuse my language, no, as they would have done before. Um, like, I mean, for me, like I've been worried at by head chefs and I like, I don't, I don't take it. I don't stand there and take mm. it because why, I mean, why should I? You're right, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I look at it, would you scream at your daughter like that? You know, yeah, that kind of way. Um, it do, it does go, it still goes on in kitchens. And I mean, some people take it. And I think you really have to have a certain personality to be a chef, especially if you're a service chef. Um, because it is hot and heavy in the kitchen. Like it, it can be very intense. And there's just some personalities that just aren't fit for it. But I would say it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah, because yeah, no, that's fair, and I, because we see of how it's portrayed, or maybe how the stories, uh, you know, the stories from the eighties and nineties of you know drink involved and you know people being so stressed out that they have to resort to drink or drugs or whatever it might be, and we've seen films about that, and there was actually I don't know if you've seen the film um, Boiling Point. Yeah, I have. I recently. Yeah, it was that was that was like obviously that was a. A, a fictional film, uh, but it was behind the scenes of, of, of for people who haven't seen it. Behind the scenes of what happens on a on a night in a restaurant. What was really great about that film was it was all done in one take, which I thought was yeah, it was very good. Yeah, yeah. For, um, but I thought um, I thought Stephen Graham as the as the head chef was was very an enthralling character, you know. Um, but that but that idea of you know drink and drugs and stress um can have can obviously lead down the road of mental health, and I wonder if you know, the stories that come out, they maybe you said it's harder to get chefs now. Maybe maybe that's part of the reason why. Yeah, um, I still definitely do think that it goes on, like the drink and drugs and mm -hmm. mental health. And 
it, it's used as obviously as a stimulant to keep going for the day um because you could be working like you could come in at 10 o'clock in the morning um and you won't get home till after service and that could be half 12 at night so you you know you could be there like over 12 hours with no break um it's impossible to get breaks in in a kitchen and they 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 try and introduce it like for maybe a couple of weeks and then it just it goes down the drain you just yeah. you just don't you eat when you can and most people just don't eat at all and you'll see most chefs just go out for cigarette breaks um and then I mean they get they normally just will go for a drink or whatever after work if you're on service I mean what else is there really to do at half 12 at night and then they're getting up the next day and they're going straight back into it with very little sleep and so that is what they just want to do on their days off or take drugs to keep going. Yeah. It is the reality of it. Um, there is a, actually a very good podcast that's at the minute that I don't know if you've heard of. It's called The, the Burnt Chef Journal. Oh. Um, and they are trying to, like, it's it's basically a whole thing about mental health and hospitality and trying to, like, end that stigma and get away from the drink and drug side um but it does still go on unfortunately yeah. which is which is quite sad like but it's just the industry of course i mean yeah it's the way it is and like i wonder that's why it, it does kind of pour down the idea of you know just gordon ramsay being i suppose the most famous and him having been spoken to like that beforehand by Marco P.A. White and, you know, whether it just continues down that road. And like you said, I hope it's like changing for the better. Would you, would you, would you like to run your own kitchen at any point? Um, honestly, probably not. Okay. Fair. Um, no, like I, like in a, I'd be more along the lines of like a little bakery or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think a restaurant would really be for me or like a hotel. I had pastry chef. Yeah. But not, but not a head chef yeah. overall. I don't think or run my own kitchen unless it's like a bakery or something small like that. Um, especially because I have kids. Mm. I like, I see the, the hours that some chefs put in and they have absolutely no family life. I mean, most of, most of the chefs that I work with um the the women don't have kids and the men never see their children and I just I just wouldn't want to be like that because I want to be around for my children's lives and the hours are just not sustainable if if you want to actually be a head chef and have family so it's all it is all about balance for me um I'm more of like a production chef Mm. at the minute um so I I get away like before the end of service. Okay. I don't I don't I don't do the restaurant service. I'm more like um weddings and functions. Okay. So I don't be there till half twelve at night. Thank God, because well, it, it wouldn't work with kids. It just of course, doesn't. It, it's, it just it's, doesn't. It's not ideal, but like I wanted to kind of go back. You, you spoke about uh you know cooking at home and I, and I, or sorry break, baking at home, and I know that's like something that relaxes you and you know it's a mindful kind of thing but it's something of like a busman's holiday if you're if you're in work like baking away baking away and then you come home and you bake away again you know like people would think like ah oh, the last thing I want to do when I get home is to do do what I was doing in in work but obviously that doesn't seem to bother you at all sometimes it does oh, okay it just depends it depends on the day that I've had to be honest with you sometimes I come home and I'm like oh God, I have a wedding cake to do for Friday and like the last thing I want to do if I've had a really stressful day or I'm home late is bake some more. But I think the key probably is if I have orders like to be more organized, but then there's some days that I'll just be like, yeah, I just really need to be by myself and just get out of my head space. And then sometimes it's relaxing. It just depends on the day, really. <laughs> well, of course. Honest. But do you like, and do the kids get involved in the baking and stuff? Yeah. My daughter nice. loves baking. Like she would just stand up on the chair and stay with me all the time if she could. She loves it. She even, they had a, 
I went to pick her up from crash like a couple of weeks ago and the teacher said to me, like she's only three and a half, the teacher said to me, um, she asked to go into the kitchen today. And I was like, what? Yeah, she asked to go into the kitchen with the chef and help make lunch. Oh, and so cool. she went in and helped make lunch. Did she? Yeah. yeah oh, she what a great school. So she does. She loves, she lo- yeah, she loves being in the kitchen. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, because it, it's, it's, it's something you see on like, um, social media and stuff with kids involved with bacon and it's something that's really nice that it's kind of still going on I suppose I don't know why it would have stopped but it seemed like you know those kind of nice things seem to have stopped but obviously they haven't and it's really it's really lovely to kind of see I wonder like but but again like the pressure that uh, like because if people know your friends and family right you know that you're very good at baking or you know like Mm -hmm. if do they wreck your head about it? like do they is there any requests given or anything or are they very respectful of the fact no, that you have to do it all day not really okay um, like I live quite a like I live two hours away from right none of my family live in Donegal um so I'm never really down here to be honest I just don't I just don't get the time like obviously I, I was back in college two days a week and then was working the other five days a week so I really haven't got time to come down here if there's a birthday or whatever mm. I will always offer like yes. they will never have to ask me I will just offer like you know if there's a communion cake oh you know I'll I'll do her communion cake if she wants me to do it or I'll do mom's birthday cake but honestly they never pressure me into it so it's, <laughs> it's more my partner that pressures I bet, me. I bet. yeah if there's yeah. nothing sweet in the house he's like oh, do you want to make some cookies or yeah I, I mean I'm kind of on his side with that <laughs> because I think I would be exactly the same you know um because you're so good at doing it you know that's the way it is do, do you actually what I um t- told you about my limited uh, ability at, at cooking but like my the, my the best dish that I could cook is is um spaghetti bolognese because it's my favorite dinner and you know when you kind of yeah. that you're gonna be good at that what is your like best um pastry or you know dessert that you cook oh um well, that's a hard one you see you cook that's the you've you've you're able to do so many i can do like three so it's easy to pick my best i like i probably probably cupcakes to be honest yeah yeah, because I just do them so often. Cupcakes are cake. Um, They're hard to do. Like it's funny. It's funny though about cake, for instance. I think you can just throw it together and it's done. But then the amount of times you go to a, a, a kid's birthday party or a birthday party in general, and there's cake there and it's horrible. It's too dry, yeah. or you know. It, I know. It, I know. There, there's this very. There's a big skill in, in doing cakes properly. There is, and, there, and there's actually like one of the girls that works alongside me and work. Like she detests making cakes. She's a pastry chef, like, and she detests oh, really? making cakes. And there, like, there's stuff that she does that I mm. can't stand doing either. And she's like, I don't understand, like, how you just can make make that and enjoy it, like, and it's fine. And I was like, well, I don't know how you can make that and enjoy it. And yeah. It's fine. So it is. It's just like it's, I think that's kind of my best area is cakes and cupcakes. But but what's fantastic, I think about baking now and you know i've i haven't seen an awful lot of the uh, british bake-off but i've seen you know bits everybody's seen bits and pieces of of the great british bake-off but it is becoming more popular for people to to you know do uh on their on their time their day days off or you know their downtime and it is um people are realizing that you know i just talked to people who've taken up knitting in in during coven and people Mm -hmm. who've taken up all sorts of things that they never thought they'd do but then realize how important it is for them to to have that kind of outlet. And it, it is great to, even if you're not into the actual program, I think it's great to see that people are kind of latching on to something that they do enjoy doing. Yeah, exactly. No, I 100% agree. With you. I did. I think everyone took a step back in COVID and was mm. just like, work is not the be all and end all of it because it's not. Mm. Um, Like, there you go, the country shut down for nearly we got to two years and all we had was was family and whoever was in our households and I think we kind of just explored a little bit like what we can be doing to make memories more than anything else and that's where everyone like there were so many people that took up bacon that even I know um 
and different things like painting and as you said knitting and stuff like that and it's nice to see like it's nice to see that because we kind of all came offline a little bit more and it wasn't like a whole show like social media can be just like where is this person going what are they doing today and I think we all just kind of took a step back and just realized what's important and that's when people kind of started doing those kind of things again which is nice to see no it's brilliant I think it's interesting, like you, you say, like everybody took a step back from online and, you know, the fact that nobody was able to go anywhere and, and, and kind of do things, there was no content to, to, to put out there for people. And then you're right, though, but it, no. it, it, it was like, I, like we were taking pictures in our bedrooms. Like, yeah, ah. <laughs> it was like, of what, you know, it's, really? it, it was like it was such a bizarre, um, you know, I obviously had this going, so I was able to kind of put out content for this. But it was I, I wasn't I'm not a person who travels a lot and get those, gets those lovely like snapshots of like you're getting this week. But that that uh that whole thing wasn't wasn't part of my uh online uh side but it was interesting to see where people would uh you know they were led somewhere and whether it was baking or whether it was like writing and like you said all the different things you said p- painting and stuff they were led somewhere where they never thought they'd end up but it was really great that they kind of found it and um, i wanted to ask like why did you obviously you spoke very well about mental health earlier on in the in the episode but you have uh, on your Instagram page about mental health advocate. Why did you like? Because for some people, that's quite a big thing to to put it in there. Mm-hmm. And, and then obviously for other people, it's just well, that's what I am, so that's why I put it there. Yeah, I guess that is it is what I am. Like I try and speak openly on my page about mental health, mm-hmm. and I think especially in lockdown, I think because like I feel like the rest of the world in lockdown experienced some sort of mental health. And I was just like, I was fine for like kind of kind of once in my life. I was like, I'm actually okay because I experience this on a daily basis and everyone else was like having mental breakdowns. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Um and it's funny, like there there was so many people that actually reached out to me um over that period of time, like people that one person in particular that I had been friends with that actually ended our friendship because of my mental health and 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 then she was experiencing it and she kind of was like I'm so sorry like I thought it didn't anxiety didn't exist and now I'm realizing it um and yeah I just I just try and be as open as possible and just I think that tagline on my profile it just if anyone's ever needing to talk to someone, it just lets them know that it's okay to message me or whatever um, and talk about it because sometimes that, that's just what you need, like, really. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a lot of, as I said before, like, fronts on social media, and I don't I don't like to be that yeah. because, I mean, you can scroll online, and even, even I do on a daily basis, and it can be like oh I should be somewhere else doing something else with someone else and I'm doing the wrong thing or whatever and that's why I try and be as real as I can and even when I'm having a bad day on social media like I don't do it as as often as as I should because I'm not really as active on it as I used to be but like I come on and talk and, and I don't care about crying in my stories or coming on after having a panic attack because it just shows people that it's normal yeah because everyone puts up their highlights and I don't I don't think that's right sometimes because as I said then people it's not real and people think there's something wrong then when they they are having a bad time yeah um so yeah that's that's really why it's there (laughs) no but it's 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 brilliant and I'm seeing it more and more you know And, and those like just three having those three words up there um it does reassure people that you are the person that they can reach out to. If they need to, they may never have to reach out to someone, which exactly, is, yeah. you know, which is what we hope for. But the fact that those words are there and people are able to reach out, there, there was, um, I, I mentioned this on the podcast before, it, was, it could have been a good while ago now, but there was a bit you mentioned about uh, when you were in the lock, in lockdown and everybody else started to feel anxious and you were feeling grand. And I was the same, like, you know, and I was trying to figure out like, why am I, you know why do I feel quite comfortable in this you know situation and I read um a piece by uh, the author John Ronson and he's anxiety as well but he wrote about the idea that people who were who have anxiety um before the lockdown um 
felt much calmer now because they could turn around and say, well, this is exactly what we were planning for. This is, you know, we were feeling like this all the time because we felt something bad was coming along, which is obviously what anxiety really is. You know, it's the yeah, it's idea of the future. So like John Ronson, the, the, his explanation was perfect. I said it to someone, like, like a few people agree. And I said it to someone and they were like, that's not it at all. And I was like, well, I, well, maybe it is. I don't, it's just really like dismissive of it. But I was like, well, you never experienced anxiety. So it's hard to join in on that conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. And, and during those, it's another thing, actually, during those uh, year, two years and months, whatever, um, however many months it was, like people uh, watched more TV and they watched more films and they maybe read more books or whatever it might be. Um, um, did you, Do you watch... This is a beautiful transition. Um, do you watch uh, cooking shows uh, at all? Yeah, I love okay. MasterChef um, okay. in particular, yeah. I don't like your man. That's not, it's not that I don't like him. I don't know him. Um, which is the it's, guy? It's the Australian one that I watch. Oh, I like okay. The British one or the Irish one or the American one. Okay, let me, let me ask you this, right? Because this is interesting because nobody's ever brought this up. Um, my... Uh, housemate she watches the australia one yeah. and i would sit downstairs we get on well yeah yeah you'd you'd love it you'd be glued to it but yeah. i am um, i was sitting down there a couple of times and there's um there's three people uh, three hosts um yeah. judges you know the guy uh he's scottish is he scottish yeah you know like he's got he's always wears the suit yeah well he, he says he's scottish but he um jock is his name isn't it we are we are we watching a different master chef? No, it's definitely the Australian lad. It's definitely because the, these must be are they the new chefs? I don't think I've got that far. Oh, they, maybe they are. Maybe they are because there's like a, there's an there's an Aussie there. Well, there's two Aussies there, and then there's the, the Scottish guy. But I like have a look into him because he's he's. I was kind of going. He always carries these these things in his hand, like they're like um wooden. They're not rosary beads, but they kind of look like rosary beads, right? So he's selling them like for like a hundred quid each or something. Pure chance are this fella like he's he's like he's been bankrupt like two or three times, and I don't know how he ended up a master chef. Um, but we now it's saying we were watching this a couple of years ago. Maybe they're new or old. I don't really know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send you after this, right? People, everybody can look this up, but I'm gonna send you the story of this dude, and he's a fascinating character, but. I think he's a bit dodgy, and I don't think Australia. <laughs> I don't think Australia have cut down to him yet. I think right. he's like he's like a, he's, he, We were questioning whether he was Scottish at all, whether he was just using that because his name is Jock. Like you know, it's the most Scottish kind of name you could choose. And I think he's a bit of a shyster for me. But I, I find the reason I asked the question about the TV show and that because I, I coach uh, jujitsu, and I hate watching and like looking up clips yeah. or. I it because again it is that some holiday I suppose again like but I suppose it's slightly different view if you are searching for you know recipes or new ideas and stuff that that they can come from from watching shows like yeah. the Master Chef. Yeah, exactly. I do, like I I don't particularly like the Bake Off or anything like that. Right. It's strange. It is just literally Australian Master Chef, and then there's been a few Netflix program like there's a Chocolate Tier one and stuff like that. Um, they just give you like ideas for specials and learning new things and stuff. That's really why I watch them more than anything else. I love the, the you know, the things. Well, I don't love them. I don't watch them. But I, when you see the finished results of the, you know, when they have to build the big, like, um, I don't know what the name of the program is. It could be a Netflix thing, but they have to build this big tower of dessert. And then half the time they end up dropping it or it falls apart or stuff. It's heartbreaking. I, I, so I can't. I I can't imagine because everybody's seen those clips on um uh from the Bake Off where like you know they drop it or you know it didn't didn't harden in the freezer or whatever it might be, and the stress yeah. levels. The oh, it's so stressful. I can't. I can't. Like there's been there's been well, a couple of times that um you know obviously I work in a hotel mm. and um there's been a couple of times that people have brought in their wedding cakes. Oh. Or someone's delivered a wedding cake and dropped, right. or it's oh. in the car, and I've had to fix someone's wedding cake like a few times because of that. And I'm just like, it's, it's the wedding cake. Like, be careful with it. But let yeah. me ask this, Ria, because this is a this is kind of I suppose this is the big question, really. How is somebody who has admitted they had anxiety growing up 
and you know through their teens and stuff like that. Even though they, lo- I know you love baking and stuff, but how have you decided to take on a job that has so much? I can't. I don't even want to step in one of those kitchens. I don't know how you've. <laughs> are you balancing something out here I that I'm not? No, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's. I guess as well, it comes back to that me. Like I need to be in a busy job. Mm-hmm. I like to keep my head busy. Ugh, like. I've worked in different places where you basically sit and do nothing. And I hated that because like I constantly have to be active and my brain needs to keep going. Otherwise I'll sit and start thinking about stuff, Mm. overthinking stuff. And then you get anxious and then you have panic attacks. So that is literally, that's down to it. It's like a job to keep me busy and on my feet and keep my hands going. Um, Like I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think my job like increases my anxiety. Um, it's more stress and orientated sometimes than anything else. I wouldn't like, I don't think stress and anxiety are the same thing. Um, like when it comes to stuff like wedding cakes, like I done my friend's wedding cake there last week and I had to travel with it for two hours in the car. Oh yeah. Like stuff like that stresses me out and that will be like, Oh my God um but other than that no yeah. I don't I think it is just literally like keep my mind busy and I'm that's just the type of person I I like I couldn't sit in an office or have an office job mm. just not for me yeah I, I get you like it doesn't make sense in you know I've said this about jujitsu it's one of those things where when you're in the middle of something that involves a lot of thinking and a, you know um almost like survival um you're not thinking about the anxiety of the future at that point. It's it's in the now. Exactly, it's the now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly, not, that's it. Takes it away, I suppose. Um, obviously, like bacon, but what? But what else do you like to do in your spare time? Now I know you have kids as well, and it's very difficult to find. I'm sure to find spare time. But what would what would you like to do ideally? Um, I like to go to the gym, and I love the beaches and walking and going hill walking, mountain climbing, just finding new places, stuff like yeah. that. Um, I used to do a lot of cycling, but it was something me and my dad done. I lost him a couple of years and I haven't really got back into it. Oh, so, uh, yeah, other, yeah, just gym and are you like, adventures, really? are you like, um, uh, weights or I'm more cardio yeah. weights? Yeah. As I said, I used to work in a, a CrossFit gym. So mm-hmm. I used to do CrossFit, not a cardio person. <laughs> I used to I used to run like all the time and like I couldn't do a five K now to save my life. What um I'm more yeah, I'm more weight based, I think. I'm I I'm kind of the opposite. Obviously I do CrossFit as well, but I'm more I really look forward to doing the, the kind of wads over the strength classes. Like I, but I think it might be just there's more technical stuff with the 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 weights you know to make sure that obviously you don't want to get injured make sure you have to lift as heavy as possible whereas with the cardio you just like get on that bike and cycle and then go over there and do some like squats you know what I mean it's to me it's yeah. very easy it's just like do this do this but it, it is interesting talking to different p- people for the different reasons why they might like um choose cardio over or what over weights or the other way around um I I am I do like deadlifting because I think that's mm-hmm maybe a bit easier i don't know is it <laughs> you see i i think cardio is so much harder than weights like I, yeah. i'd honestly do like three hours of weights before i would go and run on a treadmill for 10 minutes three hours of weights oh yeah 100 percent. you'd be dead after three hours of weights it's an awful long way <laughs> it's an awful long way <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, look look i know why people hate the assault bikes i know why people like you know there's certain machines that don't like going on and like, i get it i get it but i i suppose it's just it's whatever you're into really it's just yeah i just i, th- I don't know i think it's a, like i don't i don't mind like i'd rather walk up a hill or do, mm. do a mountain than walk on a treadmill i just find it a bit boring yeah i think then when you're lifting weights you're concentrated on something yeah. because if you're just you're concentrated on your form obviously and how how you're lifting it and if you're doing it okay um and so when you're just like running on a treadmill or walking on a stairmaster it's just like oh this is a bit like boring i would never i i'm i agree with you now i would never use a a, a 
a treadmill or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. because like I've I've had a couple of knee inj- injuries recently, so I haven't been able to run. Running's like my favorite thing to do, and um, but outside, obviously. And uh, I went, I went, was able to go out this morning for kind of a walk, very light run for six kilometers, and it was just. I just kind of, it's like it opens up the third eye. I don't even believe in third eyes. I don't know why I use that analogy, but we'll just say, all right, because people will understand. It's the only thing I can think of, but it's the idea of it does open something up, like when you come back and look, people get the same thing from lifting weights, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, but, but I got that like this morning and I missed it because it be, it had been so long and I really hope the knees clear up soon enough so I can get back on it because <laughs> then we'll, we'll be back. But I, I, I agree. Uh, climbing a mountain and stuff like that is a lot for me there's i mean i live in the flattest county in ireland so it's you know yeah you don't even have a mound in westmead but you know you you live in in a good old spot to go for those walks yeah and I'm, Donegal I guess, is all hills. I'm guessing your partner is into that as well no he's not actually oh. no he, yeah he's completely opposite oh, hates hey. the beach hates any hates the beach you can't hate, hate the beach he hates the beach i'm really? telling you he, he made me believe that he liked it when we were like oh, classic friends yeah. yeah and um yeah he hates the beach he hates anything outdoorsy <laughs> okay well look that's that's i i'm just my own wolf i just go myself i enjoy it well like sometimes like the girls come at me but it's but, mainly by myself but that's my outlet really but isn't that like um for me i'd say it's almost a better thing because again you know you're with your partner when you're at yeah. home all the time and then you're in work you're you're doing stuff so to be able to get out there and that's what my run is it's clear my head on yeah, my own yourself your own time your yeah. own space yeah i couldn't no, definitely i couldn't run with anyone like because the idea of having to run and talk to someone is no interest in that like you know i don't want to i want to <laughs> like listen to a podcast listen to some music or whatever but just be out there i i live like right next to a bog so i run on the road through the bog and it's just p- very peaceful and you know it's just nice but I, I think it's important to get out there and do that but um it has been uh an absolute pleasure chatting to you Rhea. i really enjoyed thank it thank you for having me on no it's the, the, no need to thank me at all but um if you wouldn't mind could you stick around for a minute i'll close it out i just want to take a picture of the screen it's Oh yeah, okay. It's a routine now. It's pure OCD at this point. But you know, I've I've I'm building. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build up a collection of them. I have them all, like pictures. I'm, I'm going to put it on your wall. Yeah, put it there. Like put a like a. Well, I'm going to cut myself out of everyone. I'm not a lunatic, but I'm going to have <laughs> like you know the hundred whatever it is guests up there. I think it'd be a nice little. Yeah, know, I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, to add on to it. Maybe not take down the poster. Maybe put there some. But um. Let me finish this out and just waffling, right? Okay, I also want to thank John for the technical side of things. I always thank my mum and dad, my granddad, during Calvin, because they did help me set this up and all that. Subscribe to our YouTube if you would. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Spotify, Apple, Anchor, and Google Podcasts for all the uh, yeah podcast side of things. Um, and obviously, thanks to everyone for, for watching. Um, I hope you had fun. Rhea, once again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. All right, everyone. See you uh As the title suggests of the podcast, see you next week. Take care. Bye.